0: I think the beauty of, and, and I was thinking about this the entire, the, this entire race, because I, I didn't necessarily, I pushed, while I pushed myself, I didn't necessarily treat it as a race. Um, I treated it as an adventure. Um, as I treated it as, uh, you know, um, just kind of a, an exploration um, into different terrains that I was uncomfortable with. I think that was, as nervous as I was going in, it, that was the most exciting part.
1: From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor. And on this episode, myself, my brother Brady, and our friend Tony Favarula recap our experience of the Belgian Waffle Ride, North Carolina. It's been a little over a week since we all went down to the Asheville area and took on the varied terrain, gnarly gravel ascents and descents, and beautiful paved roads of that Asheville area, and uh, we had an absolute blast. Um, We get into all the details about our bikes, about our rides, and just the overall experience of the race, which I highly recommend but let's get right into it. Um, here we go, Belgian Waffle ride, North Carolina um, so keep if you keep it like, yeah, yeah, you got it. you got it pro. you're a pro. I'm killing you're a pro. so and Brady, just
2: Tony's an artist. he so he can mix mediums, photography or microphone usage either way, you know, right? I can. Seamlessly.
1: (laughs) This is a uh an audio only uh (laughs) format, so face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) Um perfect. What are you drinking, Bertie? There's sneaky
2: snacks? Sneaky snacks from a local place archetype brewing, which is where we went the first night. They all have poems on them haikus sneak a snack just one if my past self ate it was it
1: really me deep that's it thank Thank you you, (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty
0: awesome that they all have haikus
1: so gentlemen we just finished the belgian waffle ride Asheville slash north carolina um it uh, was quite a day. I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, first, let's introduce who is with me. Um, my brother, Brady Gibney. Say hello, Brady. Hello, Brady. There are uh, several children in the background. You might hear them yelling. Um, and then there's also our friend, uh, Tony Favarula. Say hello, Tony. Hello. And I, I think that before we get into Belgian Waffle Ride, I think we need to start with how we got here. Um, It's been a process, Um, not only a couple years because Belgian Waffle Ride was um, pushed back because of COVID and everything. We were were expected to do this last year. But I think the three of us have an interesting history with um, kind of just cycling adventures. And uh, before we get into Belgian Waffle Ride, let's just quickly give a a history of, of the adventures that the three of us have gone on um brady tony do you guys want to to kick this off years ago
2: well i can start i'm pretty sure we invented bike packing, like <laughs> originally right i mean it was 10 years ago no it was no, more it was than f- that
1: it's 15, 15 years
2: 15 years ago nobody was bikepacking 15 years ago we invented
1: it um <laughs> it wasn't oh, we were, we had cars you're giving yourself too much credit we were basically like the um the equivalent of like Hippies following fish around, but we followed the tour of Georgia in twenty no, yeah, two thousand five, maybe? We did carry a lot of
0: backpacks though, up really steep hills. At, full of camera equipment or full of camera equipment. But
1: it was your camera equipment, but who 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 took them up
0: the hill? Brady. <laughs> I was incapable of the taking Sherpa. them uphill.
1: <laughs>
2: the <Sherpa. laughs>
0: but yeah, so like uh I initially
1: met you, Tony, in 2005. Uh, you and Brady were living in Chicago. I was in Indiana, and we decided in the summer to follow around the tour of Georgia. We knew that I think like Lance was riding it. Maybe it was like one of his last tours. Um, Floyd Landis was in it. Tom Danielson maybe won that year. Levi Leipheimer. Yeah, there were um, the Euro guys came over there. a year. lot of Euro. guys. Go- yeah. It was, it was a big year. And then I think it maybe lasted one more year and then went under or something. But, but we followed each stage and camped and did a, did a few of the crazy stages, um, especially the climbs. So in, in uh, what part of Georgia? It was like the, where the beginning of the Appalachian Trail is. So it's Brasstown Bald right. climb. And we climbed that before, uh, before, they, before the, the riders went through. And Brady carried your camera equipment. And you got like three shots or something. <laughs> it was
2: worth it. And we learned about uh, weather changes in the Appalachian Mountains.
1: In the middle of the summer, it was like hot and whatever. And then we were up in the mountains and it became like 50 degrees. Cold? I mean, At least. Yeah, yeah at, least, at least, least. And hail. Hail. So we had a, a history of kind of getting into trouble on bikes and you know we've been kind of talking about bikes for for years since but so brady you had an idea last year this all stemmed from your birthday and wanting to do something special do you want to kind of talk about what the plan was last year to get a few i mean there's a lot of ways that we have to set this up this was so it was originally
2: may 2020 that the race was supposed to happen. And my, so I turned 40. Is that right? I would have, we would have done it before.
0: Now I don't remember. Yeah. I think it was still, I thought it was still fall. I thought it was.
1: It was, it was supposed to be in, supposed oh, to be in, okay, you're right. Uh, you right. supposed to be in Maybe August. In September or end of August. It it's was, same, it's yeah. supposed to be like the same, about the same time as this last year. Right. And so we were a few months Prior to your 40th birthday, but it was the the year of your 40th birthday. That's right. And my wife
2: surprised me with some money she'd been stashing away and said, you and your friends and your brothers or whoever should go do, you know, a boys weekend somewhere. And I thought, of course, well, we have to do something. Why don't we do a miserable race that makes us all hurt the rest of the time? (laughs) It's
1: like foreshadow. (laughs) That's right.
2: (laughs) And so we got a house, and we had like six of us coming, and then COVID hit, and it was canceled, and then they moved it to May, and a few people couldn't come, and then they moved it back to now, and a few more people
1: couldn't come, and so we decided to bring our families along. And so it it ended up being yourself, of course, and then Tony, and then uh, then myself as well, that um, we're still in for the the ride this year, um, and so that's that's how we got here, I guess. Long and that is about an hour long of a okay. of a explanation, but now we're here post ride, and um, I think a good way to talk about what we experienced might be expectations versus reality. Um, and so we can kind of go around and maybe, maybe set up the expectations of what we all expected for the Belgian waffle ride. And then what reality was and if those things aligned or if they did not align. And, um, so, so yeah, I mean, um, and maybe uh, Tony, why don't you, you jump in here? Uh, I know that you haven't done a ton of gravel riding at all. And the Belgian Waffle Ride had a fair amount of gravel. I would say, they said it was over 50%, and that 50% was super gnarly. Um, So I'm curious about your expectations. And
0: uh, yeah, let's just start there. What what were you coming into it? What were you expecting? (laughs) Right. Well, uh, originally, um, it was only supposed to be 30% because the race was supposed to be 140 miles. Correct, yeah. And so it was supposed to be 40 miles of gravel. And so I was like, well, 40 miles of gravel shouldn't be too bad. 30% of a race of gravel shouldn't be too bad. I should be able to handle that. Um, Also, kind of going off of how the um, Belgian waffle ride history in San Diego, with a lot of people doing it on road bikes, Mm -hmm. I felt relatively comfortable Um, on either my road bike or a slightly wider tired road bike, 28 or 30. Um, but then coming to understand that this ride was just incredibly different, um, in terrain, uh, terrain change, um, the gravel, the style, the type of gravel that we were going to encounter. Um, yeah, I was expecting, I was expecting disaster. (laughs) really for myself when it came to the gravel sections, because my experience is very minimal. Um, And seeing as how I could only fit a 31 millimeter tire, uh, uh, cyclocross tire on my road bike. Um, yeah, yeah, I was expecting to, to at least flat, if not completely destroy myself and my bike.
1: I want to, so I'll interject here. Um, we had a text chain going for probably the last three months, mm-hmm. and talking about gear, talking about you know tire pressure, <laughs> all of these things. And it was around then when um, John Murphy from Gulo, you know, former pro who lives in Brevo- or lives in the Asheville area, um, hit me up and and wanted to talk about the course. And so we had him on a couple. Episodes ago, and it was almost perfect timing because we had a lot of questions, and we were wondering um, what would be the right tire choice, what would be the right size, what you know, all the all these things. And I feel like we before I talked with him, we kind of came to a a pretty good conclusion of based on San Diego, based on these other things. Yeah, you know, a thirty would be fine. Um, talking with John. It seemed like maybe a 30 would be a bit under biked, maybe. Or, uh, so yeah, I mean, you listened to that conversation. Mm-hmm. Did some of your, uh, expectations of disaster, uh,
0: change when, or like, did, did that, <laughs> did that add to your, those expectations? Yeah, I completely built up a different bike, um, with 40 <laughs> millimeter tires. Um, in in the thought that uh, if it was going to be wet or if I wasn't feeling comfortable in the thirty ones, ones mm-hmm. um, that I could just switch the last minute um, but the bike was incredibly heavy so the, the idea of climbing 10,000 feet yeah over the course of a hundred miles um, on a much heavier bike was less appealing I don't want I don't
1: want to get too much into the weeds but let's yeah, yeah. I want to spell out your two bike because it's like Brady and I brought down one bike. And we they're pretty much just straight up gravel bikes. You have No, we we brought down two bikes, one for each of us. We didn't <laughs> I rode on pegs, Brady's pegs. <laughs> it was a tandem. <laughs> it was a tandem. Um fair enough. Um we one bike apiece. Uh, we both have a Brady you Ride a Diverge. I have a, a Giant Revolt. Fairly capable gravel bikes in these situations what what were your two start with your the, the bike you rode and then we'll- okay
0: the bike i rode was uh the specialized Roubaix um with 31 millimeter um i set it up tubeless so i could uh run a slightly lower tire pressure to give myself mm-hmm. a little more traction um a little more chance of surviving the course and um With disc brakes and um, uh, the DI2 shifting, so the shifting was super smooth, super quick, um, much more efficient. Um, Over the course of the day, I really felt like that was like a really, really great choice because my entire body started to fatigue. um, Just trying to hold my position on the bike through the gravel sections. Um, So, yeah, so that bike is the one that I chose to ride. The bike that I brought down <laughs> as a failsafe um, bike is a was a Soma Grand Rainier, um which I've ridden on a number of um, long endurance courses. Uh, done a fair amount of not necessarily really heavy gravel, but some off you know some some gravel stuff on that with forty millimeter um, Maxxis Rambler uh, tires. So it was it was a tire clearance that. Made you think maybe that was the right choice. Yeah, the tire clearance with even the thirty ones, they seemed like really wide on the rims that I was running, so the clearance wasn't. And and the fact that it had been raining a lot, I was mm-hmm. really worried about the tire clearance being a real issue. So, if it was, if it was just, if I knew it was going to be dry, I would have felt much more comfortable with probably just bringing the Roubaix. Yeah. But the fact that we had hurricane, po- yeah. you know, the ends of hurricanes coming through this area, it was. Um, I want to be yeah, safe. So you brought uh, and I just want to
1: <laughs> talk like you brought this uh a steel bike, right? Steel which bike. Which is fine, which is fine. Sure. That's that's great. Um uh 275 20, or 650 wheel, yep. which is fine, which mm-hmm. is fine. 40s um caliper brakes right? Um,
0: cal- uh no, uh, cantilever brakes. Cantilever brakes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cantilever mm-hmm. brakes and um downtube shi- down tube shifters. Yeah, so this is <laughs>
1: You failed to mention that in our whole conversation <laughs> until I got here.
0: I realized <laughs> down tube shifters. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I didn't make that choice <laughs> to ride <laughs> that. I would have been stuck in one gear the entire day. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you,
1: after we went through all this back and forth and you went through the back and forth, you even brought both bikes uh, sitting here today do you think you made the right
0: choice to ride your Roubaix? I did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the course, uh, the, the gravel sections, there were some really beautiful gravel sections that, you know, got a little loose just because of the rain, um, but nothing that I felt too um, bothered by technically. I I could deal with it. It was actually, uh, I enjoyed the challenge of the, um, and learning throughout the course of the day how to handle my bike um, through those sections, which was great. There were really only two Big downhill gravel sections that kind of really terrified me, and I just took them slow. Yeah. And um, I'm glad I didn't puncture it uh, flat on on the one um, because the the rocks were so massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I couldn't glide over them the way a lot of the other riders were. Um, yeah. pa- you know, as, as they passed me going downhill, but I just took those slow and then caught up to them on the uh, uphills. And I think the lightweight um, th- having a lighter bike, um and then having the disc brakes and everything i think really yeah. made up for it and i was able to i mean we should have made up. a little chart but like the chart could have
1: been like carbon versus steel you can go either way but <laughs> but uh disc brakes versus the other brakes and then yeah. um downtube shifting versus di2 like what <laughs> but um but yeah. also you had the future shock on there and i think yeah. that that was another piece that i felt like this course really That helped you out in in this course, especially some of those really gnarly sections. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that future shock the 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 ride quality of the um, the Roubaix with the future shock um, and the uh, pave seat post and everything and the the the, you know it flexes. I feel like it it has enough of a um, suspension quality when you need it, but when you don't need it, it's not really present. Um, and on some of the really big sweeping down road downhills, oh, you can just push it so hard into the corners. That was, I mean, by, f- I enjoyed the climbing, but the big road downhills were a lot longer and they were really smooth. The road, the road, the paved road quality was just unbelievable. Oh yeah. So I was really happy that I could really push those, um, push those parts of the ride as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that helped. Sure. So expectations was disaster. It sounds like yeah. disaster didn't really happen. I consider, I consider, no, yeah, considered a success. success. Um, no flats, no crashes. Um, I got off my bike three times at aid stations just to fill up water bottles and grab a waffle and a mm-hmm. and some bacon, and that was it. It was. I, yeah. I think, I think that is pretty impressive
1: considering. There were, there were sections that we went through and it was carnage on the road there were people bikes turned upside down lots of flats um people walking back to aid stations because they flatted immediately after an aid station so I actually um I'm not only happy that you got through the whole thing on your you know twenty three millimeter tires but <laughs> but uh but that uh yeah that that you were able to to, to do it um, I don't know do it well um, Brady let's let's move to you and your expectations versus reality um, I mean we, we've kind of talked a bit about the course a little bit but um, you I mean you di- I don't think yours was a an equipment question necessarily um, you kind of came into it with a capable bike not saying that your bike's not capable Tony but um, so so what in terms of those two things expectations versus reality where where do you
2: yeah i think my the big expectation um so some of it was the distance and given the last i don't know year or so i've done a lot of 45 minute two hour long rides a lot on my trainer i've done A handful of rides in the last six months that are more than two hours only one ride over six hours (laughs) Um, but the fitness was going pretty good and it was just a question of how long can I go hard for and can I keep up with you for the whole distance basically Um, the gravel didn't worry me too much kind of went into it a little blind on purpose.
1: I didn't want to like look at the course. I didn't want to study it. I didn't want to like worry about things. Yeah. And, and just, yeah, not to interrupt, but they do, they do and did a great job of kind of, I mean, they do this huge write up yeah. of each section of the course. And you can be, I, I was the same with you. Uh, you could probably be a bit over prepared for um, each each part of the course and i i'm i'm lazy so i, I that's kind of why i didn't go into <laughs> sure, right. it but but if you wanted to really study it up even if you didn't go out and ride it there you had a pretty you had the resources to know i don't know almost like every single mile or or so um and the different segments and, and they even provided um top tube uh cue sheets for you um so yeah, yeah, I the, mean the resources were there. Totally, and to jump ahead,
2: you know, we did not, none of us put the top tube Q sheet on our bikes, right? Yeah, and you know, I race with a Garmin watch. Uh, I don't even have a head unit, so I don't even have the map. I'm not even staring at the map, and the one time I asked another rider how long a hill was, was my least favorite part of the whole race. So (laughs) (laughs) it was like 1.4 miles at this gradient. Thanks for that. I didn't need to know that. Um, When the rest of it was just, all right, well, we're just going to go up until we stop going up. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I, I would say the biggest shock to me, I think I expected the course to be exactly the way it was. I think I expected, I mean, we went faster than we thought. We all went faster than we thought yeah. we were going to go. I yeah. mean, Ian Boswell, I think, finished 25 minutes faster than he thought he was going to go. We finished over an hour faster than we yeah. thought we were going to go. We thought we were going to do seven. Tony did 7.15. Like, we did under six. Yeah. Um, so, the biggest thing I th- that I didn't expect was how many people were there. And it's been a long time since I've done anything with 1,400 people. And that was a shock of just, oh, right. (laughs) There's not 300 people at the start line or 100 people at the start line. Like, it is a massive event. And there was a lot of people at the start um, and throughout the whole thing. So that, in the good of it, it means they have their feed zones dialed and they have so many people helping yeah. because there's so many people on the course. Um, and the bad of it is, you know, it took us four minutes to get out of the starting shoot mm-hmm. <laughs> and it immediately was like, Oh yeah, all
1: the fast people are gone already. Now we're chasing for 20 miles. And chasing for a, a decent group, but not even chasing for like a, top 50 group like totally. they, they were gone yeah they were just, right, right, right like we you know we we lined up in the back which i just think was because of time or because we didn't care or we well, were we
2: we this was the first time in my life i think that we showed up early enough to a race so we got there an hour and 45 minutes early but, what we didn't expect was the earlier you got there, the farther away they put you in the parking,
1: yeah, there's a few things we might put on the, the comment <laughs> card,
2: like uh, uh for instance, our families got there uh at twelve o'clock, and they literally parked a hundred feet from the Expo, <laughs> and we got there at five fifteen and they parked us. Two miles from the expo (laughs) and we had to ride with our flashlights on in the pitch black to go get waffles.
1: (laughs) It was ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. But uh, yeah, the morning of was a little frustrating and could have ruined the day. But I think we all kind of talked like as soon as we started racing and uh, as soon as the event started for us, our, our... Our whole, like, feeling changed a little bit. Um, For sure. And I haven't done
2: a race in over a year. And it is amazing how the gun goes off, you get going, and you just revert back. And it was so fun moving through the field. It was so fun, like, getting up and over a hill and going... There's a group 50 yards ahead. We need to go get that group and so we can sit on a wheel for a while. Um that was just a blast, the whole race. You know, there's like mini races throughout the whole event. It's can I stay with these guys on the climb? Can I catch up to them? Can I sit on for a while? Can I help pull? And you know, everything gets disrupted because of a feed zone or a climb or something, but like these mini mini goals that you set and it just was a blast the whole day.
1: And I think I I guess pushing like ahead to me like my expectation to riding with you was that we would ride together and I mean I'm not I I have ridden much more than you this year. Sure. And especially in terms of long distance We both uh, did a lot of Zwift racing earlier in the year. Yep. And our fitness was pretty similar, but when you were riding a lot, you were much stronger than me in Zwift racing. Um, But For 55 minutes. For 55 (laughs) minutes. But I've had more time to ride outside than you have, and I've done more outside racing and longer distance. So a big question mark for me is like, how long is Brady going to hang? Yeah. And just expectation versus reality. Um, I expected you to be there. I didn't know how long you were going to be there. I did not expect you to, from the gun, push me (laughs) so hard. Like you wanted to be up front. And I thought we were going to start and gradually work our way up. You were cutthroat, dude. Like, I, I was like, you're, man, like, I can't keep, up with you and it was technically like getting around people i like couldn't keep up with you and then just like fitness wise i was like i'm in the red dude this we are five miles in and i'm in the red i can't i can't hang um and i know that you were just trying to go to a spot to to uh get us to a spot so we'd have a better race but it didn't it didn't end i mean you pushed us the entire race and it was it was really cool um but then yeah talk a little bit about, so we had like a uh, an aid station that we both planned on stopping totally like yeah, yeah, yeah. 60 miles in um yeah. and we were riding strong and riding together kind of that whole time um and yeah, like getting to that aid station, I think it, again, it was a kind of a question mark of where both of us were gonna be post that aid station because kind of on the other end of the race um so how are you feeling at like 60 we had so that so we would have like 40 miles left after that
2: absolutely right and again not looking at the the map much i didn't know i mean there was not a lot of gravel near the end i mean that there was a couple hard climb road climbs that slowed you down but I don't think it it was super even throughout. Um, so I don't think the feed zone at mile 60 was 60% of the effort of the race. But maybe I'm not thinking about that right. But anyways, um, we decided to carry three bottles each so that we got a little more time before we had to stop at a V's feed zone. And again, expectation versus reality we didn't need to because they had enough people at the aid stations handing bottles out that you didn't even have to get off your bike you could just grab one as you go um which is super cool and does not happen at a lot of gravel races when there's you know 200 people on the start line so had we known we wouldn't have had to carry that extra bottle that would have been nice to not have that in our back um but the goal was get to mile 60 stop grab food grab drinks spend four or five minutes and of course i'm pretty sure at like mile 50 we finally found the right group and it was 25 people and everybody seemed to be working well together and then i immediately had this feeling oh
1: great and eight miles is all gonna get messed up <laughs> yeah you even said that to me you're like He's like, yeah, he said, uh, yeah, the bad thing is we're stopping and they're not going to (laughs) stop. Exactly. (laughs) And
2: I had to stop. I mean, I was out of water. I had very little food left. Like, this was our plan. We had to stick to it. Um, I was hoping maybe they'd have bottles they could hand us, but they did not have any bottles of that feed zone. Um, But we stopped and we only stopped for
1: 90 seconds. 90 seconds.
2: But when. We rolled up, thankfully, like the whole group pulled to the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And I could see kind of in my periphery when somebody yelled out, do you have bottles? And they said, no, you saw seven or eight guys take off. Yeah. And then we got our bottles filled, grabbed the PB&J, and then we took off. We thought there was probably 12 people ahead of us. In fact, I don't know where they were because we, there weren't a ton of people to the feed zone, so I don't know what happened to them. Um, but then it just got fully disrupted, and we were chasing, and people were chasing us, and we finally all kind of came back together, mm-hmm. but after another 10 miles or so, right? And I,
1: at that point, though, after that feed station... And I, I knew, I mean, you, you were feeling good all the way up until then. And and then you said to me, well, this is either where I unravel or... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, 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 but it was, it was such a question in your, like, you weren't even sure. You're just like, I don't know. I feel good. I don't know what's going to happen. So th- this is either the end of my day or...
2: <laughs> and so we were mile 60. So how many hours were we in? three and a half yeah, something, like, something that. like that um in the past when i've raced long distance stuff about the three and a half hour mark three and a half to four hours i stop wanting to eat food i've just had enough gels i've had enough sugar it's just like i i don't want anything more and often i just my stomach cannot take it and so i stop eating and then Hour and a half later, I'm like completely cracked. I also have this annoying thing that I cannot figure out where after four hours, it feels like somebody's driving a nail into the bottom of my feet every time I pedal. Um, And the only thing that can fix it is I have to stop and take my feet out of my shoes and stretch them for 60 seconds. And that seems to work. Um, And both of those were massive question marks throughout the whole day. When am I not gonna want to eat? Winners, when, when you know, are my feet gonna hurt so bad I need to stop? And who knows? <laughs> so that was tough. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, f- taking food was fine. I was able to like keep putting it down, so that wasn't an issue. Um, but eventually the feet did creep up, and I had to stop. <laughs> three times.
1: So I I don't remember what it's it was like the right before that pinnacle or maybe there's like the pinnacle gravel climb. Gravel climb and then descent and yep. there's a there's an aid station right before the descent and that just, the descent was like chunky rock gardeny really difficult and it was there before that descent that you said I need a stretch my feet out yeah for sure and you didn't know if it was going to be for 60 seconds or for three minutes and you said just go ahead i'll try to i'll i'll find you or i won't find you that's right right (laughs) i'll I'll. I'll, and and at this point I, i was a little conflicted because i had been on your wheel basically the entire time up until then um you had been pushing me along like physically and mentally, you know, um, and, uh, and then I was like, well, do I, do I wait for you? Do I not? And, um, and like a, like a jerk little brother, I just left you. But. <laughs> totally, for sure. Right. Um,
2: and after that, I had a lot of people helping pull
1: you back because I said my little brother dropped me. In. Oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, no, but I, I do, I do want to say though, so you, you stop, I don't, I don't know how long you stop for. And at that point, I'm alone for, Maybe the first time of the whole race, because other people stop, I start bombing down that descent, which is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And this is where I'm, I'm seeing all these people left and right, uh flatting, crashing, you know, it's... Ambulance. Yeah. Yeah, that was... The, yeah, there that was, was an was ambulance actually, at that, that and I don't even think that was a... I don't think that was a racer. I think it was just a recreational rider that was maybe mixed up and I, I don't know what, but... um, it it was a it, every single rock that I saw, which was the entire descent, was just full of rocks. I was like, "That'll end your day. That'll end your day. <laughs> that'll end your that'll end your day. That'll okay. yeah. th- there's your race." Um, but I bomb down it. I find a group, and then there's a, a cl- like a road climb. I mean, and maybe this is like twenty minutes later. I'm I'm climbing up. I find a good group, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! I found a group." I don't know what's happened to Brady, but you know, I, you you can take care of yourself. Um, and I, I got this group, I'm riding with like 10 guys. And then again, like 25, half an hour later, I hear this huffing and puffing behind me. And I look back and you're there. And I'm like, (laughs) what? And not only are you climbing, but your foot is out of your shoe on top of your shoe so you're, you have one foot out of your shoe, on your shoe, and the other one's in your shoe, and somehow you're riding with one foot out.
2: <laughs> and, and and this that was the the biggest mistake I made of the day is at the top of that feed, at the climb, at that feed zone, I only took out my right, f- shoe, right foot out of my shoe to stretch that one because that was the one that was really hurting the whole ascend up that climb. And I stretched it out, and I... Got back on the bike, put my shoe on, and started descending that, and then within like 30 seconds, my left started hurting, and I thought, you stupid, (laughs) why didn't (laughs) you take both feet out? Um, So, got to the bottom, it was flat for a while, was chasing, and that was like the first time I was alone all day, and I thought, I missed Trevor's map on his wahoo, because... I'm going to miss a turn. I know I'm going to miss a turn. (laughs) And there's nobody around. And I thought, there were people behind me on the descent. Why can't I see them behind me anymore? I can't see anybody in front of me. I'm not on course anymore. And I had that, you know, 30-second... Oh, there's another turn. Um, And then we hit a nice, straight downhill. And it was really fast. And just, like not pedaling but sitting on those pedals my left foot hurt so bad i Hmm. just thought and we got to the bottom of that and we started climbing again and i've never done this before but i thought i i have to stop again or i'm just gonna take my shoe out mid mid pedal stroke slap it on top of my shoe and just see if i feel okay and i did and off I went and then I saw you guys halfway up the climb and then I had you guys had a target on your back and I just pushed and pushed until I caught you. <laughs> and I think I caught you guys 30 seconds from the end of the climb. I mean it was a 5 minute climb. It was a decent climb and, and it, was long. it was
1: right at the end, yeah, for yeah. sure.
2: And we got to the top and I said hi to you and then somebody looked back and goes, "That man's got no shoe on."
1: <laughs> well, I I I kind of panicked a little bit. Um because then we started descending immediately i'm like Brady cannot descend without a shoe <laughs> and you kind of were fumbling trying to put it on yep. and it kept like turning like the the shoe would be like turned on un- like underneath you yeah. know yeah, like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. but you got it you got my, it on and those and... my triathlon skills started <laughs> oh. coming back i oh, was geez. yeah well luckily it was on a paved section for sure and on a paved downhill too but you got your shoe on pretty quick yep um but yeah, man, I mean, what a, that is so frustrating for a ride that requires you to dial in every mechanical thing and have a your bike to be all set. And yep. even your fitness, like your, your fitness was there. That wasn't an issue, but just to have some stupid thing, like feet issues. Totally. Yep. Um, that is super frustrating. Um, but I will say, even though you had to battle through it uh I mean, you still i mean you got to the end and were strong the entire way um and i was i i think going back to expectations and reality like your how strong you were for the whole time i was blown away and I, you rode like a monster the entire day and climbed like a monster and dropped me so many times and i and we've talked like since like i feel like you could have had a better day if I wasn't there, if you were just going for every single person you saw and there were enough times that you looked back and decided to wait for me. Um, and I appreciate that, but you, I feel like you could have had a better day for sure. And
2: you know, I would disagree with you that I could have had a better day. I could have maybe ridden and had a faster time, but you know, I raced a, bike for 10 years and my goal near the end of it was i need to get this out of my system so that i can go ride a bike and just have fun with it Mm -hmm. so my goal of the day was to ride with you the whole time so it could not could not have gone better from that respect yeah i didn't care if i would have gotten 90th place or 101st place or 300th place um if i felt like we rode strong together that was my goal so unless we walked up front at the start line and went for it um if we were in a select group in like the top 20 or 30 which i you know i don't think we would have ever been anyways um i would have probably consider just trying to stay with that group mm-hmm. but we weren't and so the goal of the day was just ride hard with you and from that perspective like I could not have had a better day
1: I I totally agree I think I would have had a slower day if I didn't ride with you right um and I would have ridden hard But there was something about having – not just racing with people but racing with someone you knew and wanting to stay with them that I pushed myself harder at certain places than I think I would have, Um, which was great. Like – and yeah, so I I mean – I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad you don't you don't feel like I was an anchor <laughs> uh, for your ride, but um but also you really pushed me to ride harder and um yeah I, I i i just i I think it just was a super positive experience. I think on all our um for all of us, it could have gone terrible right <laughs> but yeah. uh there could have been so many reasons it went bad. Um, and we got out of it safe and no mechanicals and, uh, the day was, was good. The weather was great until the, until we left at the very end, but that was, we weren't riding at that point. Um, so all in all, I thought it was just, um, just a great ride. I was, I, I, one, one thing that, and Tony, you brought it up was, were some of the, uh, like the road descents, the paved descents. And I knew the gravel would be great. I knew there'd be different gravel sections and different types of gravel, but I was just blown away by the the roads themselves, the paved roads and how smooth they were. And then how difficult some of those road climbs and especially that last climb Jeter mountain was like at times like 15, 16%. it was just a slog to get up. I mean, it was really, really difficult, but just amazing roads. Um, I almost enjoyed the, the the paved more than the gravel honestly. Um
2: there's not there's not many things better than an amazing windy downhill where you can just let it rip and there are not a ton of those opportunities. Um and that was really really fun. They just go really fast. There was
1: there's a couple but there, there was one where it was it had to be like two miles and I don't think we had to put the brakes on at all. We just, it was windy and it was like a roller coaster and we got, there were like four or five of us at the time Brady and we, we got to the bottom and we all were like, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> like we'll do that all day. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about this
2: often, I think um, philosophically, but you know, all, most of us get this, get into this because we watch European bike racing, and then it's very infrequent that we get to experience anything where we, th- that's e- it's even close to what they do, um, but we still all kind of, you know, get dressed up in our costumes and play bikes together, yeah. um, but going downhill fast in a race situation, like, is about as close as you can get to
1: what you see on TV. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tony, I'm I'm curious about your first gravel experience and yeah, we're I mean we're talking about roads versus gravel or whatever and not having a specific gravel bike um, is is gravel something that you would pursue in the future or I mean we we, we were talking earlier you live kind of Chicago ish. So you don't really have a lot of gravel opportunities. Um, so what, what's your, what's your take on the gravel? I mean, is that something that you want to pursue more or
0: yeah. 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 I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily interested in doing gravel specific, um, racing, um, or just gravel terrain riding. Um, I really enjoy the mix Um, I really enjoy going on long rides. Um, my, um, most, I mean, in the last couple of years, three or four years, I've really kind of pursued the, um, randonneuring and brevets and things like that, which are just kind of like, you know, wandering through the countryside for 200, 300, 400 kilometers, you know, wandering, just kind of checking things out. And I think the beauty of, and I was thinking about this the entire, this entire race, because I... I didn't necessarily, I pushed, while I pushed myself, I didn't necessarily treat it as a race. Um, I treated it as an adventure. Um, as, I treated it as, uh, you know, um, just kind of a, an exploration um, into different terrains that I was uncomfortable with. I think that was, as nervous as I was going in, that was the most exciting part. Um, I'm glad that, I'm definitely glad that I did it. There, at no point did I feel like I was going to back out of it. Um, I was going to figure it out one way or another. Um, but I liked, I liked the exploration, and the uh, adventure part of this, and I think doing more events that are like this are in the future. I don't know that I want to pursue gravel, just gravel riding mm-hmm. because it, it isn't that all that it isn't all that accessible to me. I, I could drive to it, but I hate driving to ride my bike. I like just leaving my house, so I do incorporate it into long rides. Um, a lot of farm roads, if I come to them, you know, it might be 10% of one of my rides or something like that. It's not a lot, but, um, but I think feeling a little more comfortable now, I, I would like to integrate it more so that I can push myself in the terrain that I am able to pursue. Um, and, you know, maybe work on some of those skills, you know, specifically so that I can go places and do things that, um, that push, uh, my own, um, comfortability um, but also that allow me to explore places that I would never see if I didn't take the really rough rocky road, you know, yeah. and I, I think that like is kind
1: of the spirit of gravel anyways. I mean, it's not one hundred percent gravel. It's not you have to go find a hundred percent gravel route or a hundred percent gravel race or all this it's it is finding a route and and pushing your. Uh, Finding those sections that are beyond your comfort zone and realizing that your specialized Roubaix can get you down a chunky like descent, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's what it what it's all about. And and you know, gravel is such a buzzword, but right. it's it's more of like adventure and exploration, and whether that's on a beautiful paved descent or a really crappy gravel. Climb, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and and I think that's what Belgian Waffle Ride does a great job of is in, in a kind of in a corporate way, because it's such a big operation that it can expose people to these different. And, it, it, you know, they started in um, California and then kind of moving throughout the whole the whole country. Uh, and kind of speaking of that. I guess one, one other thing that I take away from the event is just how big it felt. Um, I love especially like in Michigan, we have all these like grassroots uh, races and you see the same people and they're they're amazing in their own right. But when you go to something that you see George Hingi and um Bobby Julik and you know, you see Ian Boswell before and after, and it's just like man, this is another level. And it's probably not what I want to do all the time, but to come to it at least like once a year and be a part of it. And to see this like well-oiled machine, it's like, man, this is, this is awesome. And it was, it was a ton of fun to finish and to be there and like hang out and get our beers. And, and then, well, then the heavens opened and (laughs) It started pouring, so we left, but, but that was, I mean, that, and, and the feed zones were, were just dialed and it was just, I think that part of the event was, was really, was really awesome. No.
0: For sure. Yeah, no, I, I, and I haven't done any event like this. I mean, I haven't raced in over 10 years and those were criteriums, which I really enjoyed. But now, you know, being able to bring the family and have the kids cheer you on when you come in, like that was awesome and have them see the, the spectacle, you know, what um, was very cool. Absolutely. And it was, yeah, absolutely dialed in. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Yeah.
2: And I don't think you, I mean, I think this is what draws me to these events and i think what is drawing a lot of people to these events is that you don't have to ride gravel to do gravel events or like i would call myself a gravel racer and then you'd say oh how much do you ride gravel and it's like oh no i ride swift every day (laughs) uh and then go find some gravel just to make sure my equipment is working correctly. But like you don't have to ride gravel three times a week to be a gravel racer. You know, if you sign up for a mountain bike race, like you need to ride mountain bikes often to be able to do that. But, you know, we have not talked as much as we have in the last three months getting ready for this. And just about tire choice and bike choice and what about this and how do we do this and, you know, nutrition nutrition and all these things that just kind of like has made it so much fun to think about. And there's just this unknown aspect of it. If we signed up for a hundred mile Grand Fondo, I don't think we would have talked as much. It would have just been like, it's all pavement. There's some hills. We're going to try to go hard. Okay, we'll see you there. But there's just so many little nuances about this that we have to figure out and we have to talk about. And what's your game plan? What's your game plan? And, you know, I love, I love the tire choice question because nobody's right and nobody's wrong. <laughs> um, and that's beautiful about it. It's just like, well, all I can run is 31s. Okay, then that's the right choice um (laughs) in some ways right um but that part of it i just i love and i love that you don't have to do a ton of it i mean around lansing you guys have a lot of off-road stuff in philadelphia we have you know a four or five mile stretch that i can do just to make sure my tires feel okay but otherwise, I'm on the road or in my basement. Um, and you still go hard on race day and still get to experience it. Yeah.
1: So, um, what's next? I, I know we've. You, you do something like this, and for me, it triggers something, it, it sparks something, and you want you want to do it again um i uh i enjoyed kind of reigniting or re you know getting the band back together and tony i mean we haven't hung out for fifteen years probably yeah, and it, yeah. it felt like yeah. felt like we just saw each other the other day I mean, it does. It was, yeah pick right, and, it, right back up and uh you know I don't know if it'll be next year I don't know whatever but i I'm excited i think we in the future need to do another. Bike adventure somehow figure it out. Uh, um, I don't know if it's gonna be a Belgian waffle ride, but I think there's there's so many other things that we could we could do. I know Brady, you've you've, I vote Iceland. <laughs> yeah, Iceland. I mean, I was thinking Rebecca's private Idaho is it's kind of on my bucket list, but um, I enjoyed reliving. The, the, the past bike adventures that that's we had right. together and and then having a new one. And I look forward to, you know, whatever next one that we can have
0: for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, I think that's, that's the key. Just keep it going. Um, yeah. Great. Thank you guys. This is uh, I mean, it was
1: fun to, to talk about this, but it was, it was even more fun to just prepare for it the last few months and then spend these last few days together riding bikes and, and hanging out and yeah, this is what it's all about. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. This is awesome. The dirty chain podcast is a Michigan mid media production in partnership with KOM cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at dirty chain podcast, email dirty chain podcast at gmail.com or call our hotline six one six. 522 2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. A huge thank you to my brother Brady and friend Tony for joining us on this episode. And thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid pack.